The Business of Biotech is produced by Life Science Connect and its community of learning, solving, and sourcing resources for biopharma decision makers. If you're working on biologics process development and manufacturing challenges, you need to swing by bioprocessonline.com. If you're trying to stay ahead of the cell or gene therapy curve, visit cellandgene.com. When it's time to map out your clinical course, let clinicalleader.com help. And if optimizing outsourcing decisions is what you're after, check out outsourcepharma.com. We're Life Science Connect, and we're here to help. In this financial market, plenty of young biotechs are eating gravel, so to speak, for the first time, but it's especially hard times for the microbiome therapeutic space. Flagship's Evolo was the most recent to hit the kill switch, that coming on the heels of 40 Pharma, Finch Therapeutics, Federation Bio, and more, either winding down operations or, or folding into other efforts. A dozen or so more have drastically reduced headcount and programs to preserve cash in recent months. But the scientific premises that microbiome therapeutics sought to capitalize on during their hype cycle a few years back haven't gone anywhere. And for some microbiome companies, they've even seen some regulatory wins. Adelaide, Australia-based Biome Bank is one such winner. I'm Matt Piller. This is the Business of Biotech. And on today's episode, we're taking a perhaps sobering, but certainly pragmatic and optimistic look at the microbiome therapeutics market with the founder and leader of a company whose fecal microbiota transplant therapy was the first of its kind approved anywhere. That leader is Dr. Sam Costello, and I'm thrilled to have him on with us today. Dr. Costello, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. and Thanks for having me on. It's absolutely my pleasure, uh, and I we're gonna we're gonna have a, an extensive conversation here about the microbiome market, what's going on in Australia, why on earth uh, your your company is in, Biome Bank is interested in uh, moving uh, some facets of operations to the United States where things aren't aren't going as well. Uh, we'll we're gonna get into all that, uh, but before we do, I want to get to know you a little bit better. And from what I understand, you know, you know, I've chatted a couple times now, and you were a gastro enterologist, a practicing gastroenterologist for a time before deciding that you're going to join industry and found Biome Bank. Um, so tell us, tell, give, give us the, I guess, the why story behind that. Like, why would you, you know, you got, a, I'm sure, a thriving practice doing really well uh, practicing medicine. Mm. And you thought, well, you know what, I, I want to jump in industry. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 I suppose it sounds a little crazy on the surface, but I mean, I, um, I, undertook a PhD um, focused on fecal transplant for ulcerative colitis. And this, um, this really began in 2012 and ran, ran a study where we showed you could induce remission of FMT, uh, induce remission of ulcerative colitis using FMT. Mm. And during that process, um, I set up a stool bank in an academic laboratory uh, in, in Adelaide. Um, and, and through that started to supply local hospitals and um, doctors uh, with, with a, Basic product, an FMT product. So that was sort um, of a, like a to, that was sort sort of like a side business to uh, to your practice. Well, it, yeah. So it wasn't so much a business at that point. I was just supplying um, patients locally who had uh, C. difficile infection that was refractory to antibiotics. Um, in 2013, there was a paper that came out in the New England Journal showing um, the clear superiority of donor FMT over what was the then standard of care vancomycin. 
uh, which which had a huge delta. So, you know, 80, 90% cure rate with FMT versus about 30 with vancomycin. So, so that really um, got a lot of attention and, and really um, locally doctors started to expect that this therapy would be available. Patients uh, and patient families knew that this was available. And so, and, and in many cases, Matt, um, this therapy is saves a colon. Uh, you know, colectomy is the is the um, would have been the um, the outcome if you're failing antibiotics or or death. You know, it's a it's a potentially deadly condition, CD pursue. And so, we had this service established and expectation established, but but um, at uh, the um, towards the end of the study, uh, research funding had dried up, and I needed a a way to sustain the service. I could also see there was an unmet medical need throughout. Many other parts of Australia and our region, so in Asia, mm. uh, generally. So let me um, let me yeah. interrupt you real real quick mm. there. You you mentioned locally a couple of times. You set up this <clears throat> this bank. You were serving yeah. when, when you say you were serving uh, doctors locally. Are you talking like real real local, like local to Adelaide? Yeah, yeah. So initially, um, you know, I was doing this operation myself. I was collecting the stool and screening donors banking it and I'd get it I'd get a call from a, a doctor and jump in my car grab the jump in my car grab grab I'll some out of the freezer dr- drive it over to the hospital and sometimes administer it myself or give it to the uh, a gastroenterologist to administer you know there's a patient in intensive care who needed it um, and it was really a, a basic operation at that stage mm. um and uh and but it was highly effective uh, and and so we needed a, a way to sustain the service and could see that it, it that, that, that it could be supplied more more broadly, uh, and so uh, we we joined with the the Hospital Research Foundation who provided seed capital uh, to us, uh, and so that we could we, we formed a company that could then transact uh, with hospitals and and really our, our primary aim at that point was to was to develop an approved therapy. So we we built a clean room, uh, brought on a quality team, a reg team, and started to aim towards that and had a second aim of developing um, cultured so second generation microbiome therapies mm. yeah that that that's fascinating uh the the original uh for lack of a better term product um mm. that, that you were banking and and hand, hand delivering you were like the 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 the, the amazon prime <laughs> to, to the adelaide area um, <laughs> same day service uh th- that that "Quote unquote product was that uh like was that an approved therapeutic uh, product or explain no, how that Matt, works? No, so I mean in those days it was a little wild west in the sense that there wasn't a, a regulatory framework in Australia for for FMT and it was really I mean it's been an interesting um, developments during that time. I mean FMT had been done in Australia for many years, probably thirty years at least, um, and and so and and we'd been uh, we, we've undertaken this. I don't know. I have personally since since twenty twelve um, here, and so the, the, at that time uh, we had um, sort of local ethics approval, but there was no national framework. It didn't really fit into the existing regulatory framework, and so over that period of time, a number of stakeholders. Um, so clinicians, patient groups, et cetera, worked with the TGA to to establish a framework. And that that was essentially 
uh, what became TGO 105, where this is this is the framework for which um, these products, so um, microbiome therapies, are, and donor drive microbiome therapies, are regulated in Australia, and that that is through through the that program is how how we achieved our approval. Yeah. Um, so the the decision to found a a, a biotech effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that at the time when you decided to do that, that, that sort of, um, evolution or revolution of, of the framework was a catalyst? Like, was that, was that part of your thought process? Like, this is a time to, to sort of, to sort of strike because there's, there, there are actually some parameters being put around, uh, th- this therapeutic idea. Yeah. So, so. I was involved in in some of you know these discussions, and I could see that a framework was being laid down, and there was a path to uh, there was going to be a path to approval. And so we we were a, a small company, but the I mean the TGA I think were forward thinking and pragmatic here. They had a situation where essentially um, a important and potentially life saving therapy was being supplied to patients to to. To set a framework where that had to stop instantly and and you know demand phase clinical trials would of course led to a lot of morbidity and mortality, and so mm-hmm. they set up tra- uh, transition arrangements whereby you had to meet certain criteria. So the first was GMP. So we built a you know we built we fundraised and built a clean room, and then we had to have a dossier prepared and submitted, and that that dossier had many of the. The components that you would require from pharmaceutical, but the key, two key differences were that the there wasn't a, a um, requirement for batch to batch consistency in terms of the composition because of course that's not possible with a donor derived uh, therapy such as this. And the second was that we could use um, existing um, data package, so we had a we had um, real world data um, mm. that we'd accumulated. Um, and so there was a requirement to 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 submit that and then continue to um, supply that. Uh, and, and so that that framework we we saw was was possible and 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 really allowed patients to continue to access um, therapy during that time. And then and now um, to supply therapy, you need an approval. So 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 this is. Uh, also improves safety and all of these other aspects because there are you know, strict requirements around uh, screening and, and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's advantageous to be uh, involved, like heavily involved, uh, at, at sort of at the ground floor or early on. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, a lot. A lot of clinicians were in, in, in involved in in. Um, in, in those discussions and and you know patient advocate groups and these uh, people that. Um, led led to what was, I think, a considered and pragmatic um, solution. I mean, you could see in the U, uh, say say in, in the US, there was a different approach, say with enforcement discretion uh, uh, around a similar time, and in in Europe and other jurisdictions, they've taken um, you know different different approaches, and, and these sort of therapies are regulated in in, in different different ways. It's it's it it has been, um, I'd say, heterogeneous around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that D- during that transition from from practice to founding uh, of the company. Was it a clean break or or did you did you continue to practice for a while and and kind of build the company up in the background? What, what did that look like? Yeah, I did, Matt. I mean, I didn't wake up one morning and think, gee, I want to be in in biotech. It was it was this sort of clinical need to start with and then uh and so I continued 
practice, I wound it down. I was um, working um, a couple of days a week in in practice, and then and then um, running the company. Uh, And but I could see that to to make it work, um, it was going to need absolute dedicated focus. And and the uh, and the other thing was with this second arm to the company, the cultured therapies. When 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 I could see that we had the technology to 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 build an artificial microbiome, so a co-cultured consortia that that would, um, you know, be scalable to to global markets and actually be able to make a difference uh, to the big problem of loss of gut microbial ecology. That that's the moment where I thought I've got to, I've got to quit and and absolutely focus um, and dedicated focus on this because to get to to get that to work to uh, to actually uh, to 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 make to make it um uh, to, to 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 allow us to really develop that technology, I was going to need to to be all in. Yeah, yeah. It's a the the, the origin story doesn't really get more organic than that. Like it's it's truly an organic like you know, growth, right? Sprouting of a of a biotech. It's, yeah, it's pretty- yeah, and I. Yeah, and it's funny, Matt, because I mean, if I'd known, I suppose, the complexity of it all, being being naive to it was was advantageous. Because if someone had sat me down on day one and said, "Oh, this is this is what's required," I would have thought, "Ah, uh, nah." <laughs> I mean, let me let me tell you what you're setting yourself up for here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know, you sort of slowly in, and, and 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 that and that's been wonderful because there's so much to learn. I love learning, and especially the entrepreneurial aspect, the business side of it. It's been, um, you know, it's invigorating learning, learning new things, and uh, and um, uh, you know, um, right? Scary and whole, scary, yeah. scary and risky at the same time. Uh, like when you were when you were making that transition, what like personally, having yeah. been a, a practicing physician and and working in the space, uh, and then you know, as you said, gradually and in a metered, metered and responsible uh, approach, uh, build, building a company, there had to be you know times. Even even though you're a op- naive optimi- optimist, uh, optimist, right? And naive optimist, there had to be times where you're like, you know, there there are some challenges here that uh, I may not be uh, tooled up for, geared up for. Like, what what were some of those kind of personal and professional um, challenges that you faced down and and overcame? Yeah, I mean the the the, the unknown. I mean, there was this this challenge that I, I didn't know what it was to. To, to to run a biotech and 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 so there were and and a startup business and so there were there were a whole lot of elements there and I've been really lucky that we've I've been surrounded by people who are who have been far more knowledgeable than me in many different areas and I suppose it was trying to identify what those gaps were find people who could mentor or or um uh or or, or, or educate me so we've had um We've had on many challenges, so uh, you know, regulatory challenges, financial challenges, um, uh, issues around. We have a product that's approved and out in the market. So learning about um, about that, uh, trying to um, set up supply, um, many different aspects, and then there's the 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 the, the, the scientific aspects around the, the the culture therapies that are very complex as well, and so, I mean, we we have, um, I think some of the world's leading scientists, um, in this space, um, mm-hmm. and so so learning from them 
in that. And and we have a, a board that has, and we we have um, uh, uh, people with uh, biotech experience, US biotech experience on the board, entrepreneurial experience, um, corporate uh, financial experience, and 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 I've learned a lot from these people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good it's a good segue into some questions I wanted to ask you about the sort of the biotech scene in Australia, you know, from the I guess, you know, the the, the general or maybe naive or rudimentary I think uh, perception of Australia uh to US biotech is like, hey, that's a it's a great place to go run clinical trials. And I've got some questions for you about that a little bit later on like why that why that appeal exists. Um, hmm. you know, whether that's regulatory, financial, whatever it might be. Um I, I, I've heard from several biotech leaders that Australia is a desirable place for financial and regulatory reasons to to run clinical trials. Um, beyond that, um, to, I, I want to, I guess, get a lay of the land for the biotech scene in Australia. You're in Adelaide, and I I, I will uh, pull, put my geographic ignorance on on full display here. Um, it, you know. Tell, tell us about Adelaide and then tell us like, where is the biotech like scene centered in Australia? Is it, is it Adelaide? Is it, uh, is it Sydney? Is it like, you know, where, where's the, yeah. where's the hub? So, so, I mean, it, it is distributed. I mean, Australia is obviously, it's geographically a large country, but, mm-hmm. but from population wise, a lot smaller than the US. And, and, and so, you know, it's 25 million people. And, and so, um, and but the biotech scene, is primarily centered in in Sydney and Melbourne, the two largest cities. I mean, there is quite a, a vibrancy, and I think here in in Adelaide as well. But seventy percent of the biotechs are in Sydney and Melbourne. So there's mm. there's probably about a th- close to a thousand biotech companies in each of those two cities, and the and the biotech scene is is growing, um, and, the, and the life sciences se- sector generally. I mean, it, it it's growing. Um, I was talking to Lorraine Sharouf, who's the CEO of Bios Biotech recently, and she was saying it was it's growing. So I think forty three percent since since twenty nineteen, sixty percent since twenty seventeen. And you're right, Australia has had an economy that has been um, initially resource focused, and more recently um, services, you know, financial services and these sort of things. But but biotech has been a relatively small player. But but that is that is changing, and and the 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 um the real um opportunity here, Matt, is that Australia is is world class at basic research, so medical research. You know, top top ten in the world in terms of output to, you know, uh, you know significant medical journals or, or, or the, at that level. Uh, but but the commercialization into biotech has really been lacking. I mean, there's some outstanding companies. You know, CSLs based in Australia and. Around Resmed Cochlear, there, there were real success stories, but 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 that gap where we perform poor, more poorly at the uh, at the translation commercialization, that to me is opportunity. When you have all of the right early stage um, you know, inventions, uh, and we just need to develop that that sec that second stage, and that's what uh, what we're doing, and we're, we're really passionate about. Yeah, yeah. And when you when you talk about that, um, you know that. I guess the, the the foundations of building an industry, there are mm-hmm. like support mechanisms that I, I think about, like when I think about support mechanisms or, or support institutions um, here in the States, you know, uh, may, maybe it starts with academia, 
You know, it includes obviously access to capital and the financial markets. Um, mm. You mentioned a few of the big, you know, the bigger players that are Australia based. So, you, you know, you you obviously want a community of established biopharma, maybe maybe some big bio. Obviously, that's a market to sell to, a market to support, a market to partner with. So I want to work through some of these, I, I guess, some of these elements individually. Let's start with uh, like like capital access. Um you know, I mean, I, you know, globally, it's a struggle right now. I get, I get that, but like, uh, in, uh, in good, in good market conditions and, and current market conditions, what does that look like in Australia access to, to funding and, you know, kind of go forward juice, if you will. Yeah. 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 And it's critical, isn't it? It's the lifeblood. So, I mean, there is a smaller pool of capital in Australia and in the US and, and less VC specific. So biotech specific focused, um, VC funding um here than 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 the US. But um the situation's certainly improving, I would say. I mean it has been rough recently because of the you know global conditions um and that that's the same everywhere. But but I think um one thing that is um uh is uh, is why I'm really optimistic in this space as well is that Australia has um, a really well capitalized uh, superannuation system. So that's like pension funds. I mean, we have the world's fourth largest pension pool in the world. Mm. Um, and, you know, our population is the 55th biggest. So th- th- there's, a, there's a really big pension fund um, relative to population. Um, and, you know, that's, that's I think, 2.6 trillion US dollars sitting there. A lot of that's deployed into larger biotech so late stage um you know biotech some of that that money and 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 now some of that is being deployed into into vcs and that that can then enter the the earlier stage um biotech so so i think that that's a real strength that australia has and 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 can be i think you know leveraged by 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 the by the biotech community if we if we if we uh, approach this in a in a, in a in a smart way yeah yeah what about <clears throat> excuse me I woke up yesterday morning with like the the post Thanksgiving uh, I don't know head cold. I, I tested for COVID, did, did a did a rapid antigen test at home. I don't know they're not one hundred percent accurate. It said negative, and I feel fine otherwise. But I'm a little congested from the from the throat up. So excuse me for that. But uh, what what about I feel the, safe? I feel safe here from the other side of the world. Yeah, you're on the <laughs> other side of the world. We're, we're speaking through a screen. It'll catch everything. You're good. Yeah. Um, the the talent pool i talked about academia um you know you you talked about uh translational sort of being a a a catch point there um what, what is the what what does the academic scene look like in australia like where where is the the next gen and the ongoing sort of talent and and ip pool coming from if you look at you know you you look at australia in and of it in and of itself i mean do do you have yeah. like a you know do you have like the equivalent of 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 harvards and mit's and yeah, I mean, we, we so we don't we don't we we don't we don't have a I suppose you know Harvard, MIT, Oxford, Cambridge, you know, top five in the world university here, but we have uh, a number in the world's top hundred uh, universities, and um, so I think I can't remember, I mean it might be four or five in the world's top hundred. Um, our local university here in Adelaide is top hundred, and you know we've had we had a lot of. Um, uh, you know, top research coming coming out of Australia. I mean, my local university has uh, four or five Nobel Prize winners. You know, um, there, there there are um, there, there is um, 
absolutely um, uh, world-class research. We In microbiomes, though, we have um, – so Sam Forster, who's our chief scientific officer, um, was involved in – you know, a seminal pub, a publication in the field, Culturing the Unculturable, that was published in Nature and really described methods to, to, to actually be able to grow human gut microbes. This was in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and colleagues showed this. And, and, you know, prior to that point, it wasn't possible to have a, a, a microbiome therapeutics industry other than a donor-drived industry, like a, a cultured microbiome therapies, because of course you need to be able to grow them. And so, and so breakthroughs like that, are being done uh, by, by by Australians, uh, just to give one example. But you know, w- w- um, typically, what's what's then happened is is either that that those those results haven't been capitalised um, on, you know, uh, with uh, with good say, uh, often um, IP protection and and then and then commercialisation. Um, Historically, but I think that that's definitely changing. That, that this has been recognised by by government, and there are schemes now in place uh, to 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 help with that. Research funding is given now on the basis that uh, people's track record with commercialisation is considered, uh, and it's sort of this this culture is changing. With this uh, uh, an understanding that the commercialisation is is necessary to get products. To patients, and also there's economic opportunities for, um, for 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 the country in 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 doing that. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, I guess, elaborate a little bit on that. The sort of the the incentive programs that that Australia itself, like the government there, is is putting into place to foster growth of the biotech community. Yeah, so I think probably the, the most successful so far has been the R and D tax incentive. So, so this is a a scheme whereby the, the um, Australian federal government uh, will reimburse about forty two cents in the dollar spent on on R and D in the mm-hmm. industry, and so so that's been hugely helpful for us because it's essentially non dilutive capital. From a lot of what we've we've been doing is has been has been R and D, and so so that's been a a real. Help and and actually some of that is is accessible even to to um, foreign companies if they're working in Australia. So doing clinical trials in Australia, they can potentially um, access that, and that and that that has really driven a a, a lot of the um, you know a, a, a lot of the um, I suppose mini boom in biotech that we've seen, um, and and particularly in the clinical trial space. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also um, Funds the the medical research future fund, uh, which which is uh, has uh, has has been spun out of uh, Australia's um, sovereign wealth fund, uh, and mm-hmm. and so that's a, a large amount of capital that's being deployed into into medical research, but but it is targeted at at, at research that has commercial potential and and really encouraging. Um, uh, the, the, so IP generation and then commercialization of that, and there there are a number of other uh, programs now, and I, and and so I think that that explains part of this um, this rapid growth in the last you know five or ten years. Yeah, you you mentioned that uh, some of those incentives are available in some cases to uh, global companies, companies from the U.S. Yep. perhaps or the U.K. who are, who are coming to Australia to. 
um, conduct clinical trials. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious about whether there's any sort of reciprocity or benefit, you know, reciprocity of, of value or benefit to the Australian biotech scene as a result of those companies coming down there to to conduct clinicals or if it's uh you know if, or if it's more of a, nu- a nuisance at any point where it's like you know hey we <laughs> we're trying to grow our own community down here and you're, you're you know you're, you're consuming access to our patient population what what's the balance there uh look i see it as overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. i mean i i just think the ecosystem thrives off um connection and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was I was in say Boston recently, and um, just just walking around there, I remember being in a bar and I was sitting down having some food, and the guy next to me was running a biotech. We just chatted for you know an hour casually, and I had a whole lot of contacts that I could then make and learned a lot from from him. And um, and so the more we can draw in, I think the the better we'll all be. And um, there, there is. There is a bit of competition now, you know, in 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 hospitals uh, to 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 run run trials and and, and patient patient access. I think though, we 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 were founded by, you know, with we three clinicians, um, mm-hmm. and so we have uh, extensive networks of local, say, gastroenterologists, say, for our trials, um, that we can access very easily. So that's it's not 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 that's not a problem. And I think the local CROs getting this business makes them. More, you know, build, builds their their skill set, makes them um, them interacting with with companies, say from the US and Europe, um, improves their offering, and so that feeds back into the ecosystem. And then, you know, the what the companies that supply that that that, that are analysing uh, samples out of these studies, um, they're they're building large capacity as well. So that that then feeds back into the system. So I think it's just overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. That's terrific. Uh, total, total question out of left field. When you stopped at that bar in Boston and where you were talking with that, that biotech exec, did, did, were you drinking a Foster's? <laughs> <laughs> or is that like, is that, is that like marketing? Is that just like marketing hype? Foster's isn't really Australian for beer. Oh, well, you, you, the funny thing is you can get Foster's generally overseas. But it's mm-hmm. very hard to find it locally in Australia. Yeah. Oh, is that uh, right? Wow. Might, I can't remember. It might have been a Sam Adams. I, I can't remember. I can't <laughs> Figures. Remember. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the reason. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, yeah. So, you, you know, there, there's another good segue. You're talking about spending some time in Boston. You're talking about the the advantages of of U.S. and, and U.K. And, and beyond companies coming down to Australia to do some business. Um the last time we spoke, you mentioned that you were uh, seeking to or in the process of opening a satellite office in in the U.S. Is is that a is that one, first? Is that correct? Like, are you in the process of opening a satellite office here, or so we're not in the process right right now? Oh, but okay. uh, but a bit, we, but we we are um, we certainly want to want to do that. I mean, we for the for, for some of those reasons we talked about. I mean that the. the Connect, connectivity, and we mm-hmm. we do have a, a a director based in Boston, and mm-hmm. um and other connections to the US. Um, our chief operating officer is Amer- American and head of process development American, and um, and we we want to um you know be linked to that ecosystem, and the US is still the I mean the global leader in biotech innovation, huge amount of um innovation there and you know half of the world's uh farmer market so and we, we want our um our our products to 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 get into that market 
ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so there, there will necessarily be a, a presence uh, in the US, and so, so we're working towards that. I mean, probably you know, post uh, post capital raising, we'll, we'll, we would look at that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you 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 sort of gave us some of the story around the the regulatory um, context of your the, the formation of your company in Australia. Um, I'm curious about what, like, sh- should you, you just mentioned that you'd like to, you know, I, I'm assuming the, the, the approved product, is that what you would like to, to bring to the United States? Is that, is that sort of in the plans? Yeah. So we, 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 yeah. we want to for an orphan disease indication, not for C. difficile because okay. there are, uh, there are existing approved products there. Um, serious therapeutics, fairing have approved uh, products for C. difficile and that's not, um, you know, it's, 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 it's not something we're, we're we're going after, but but this would be for a, for an orphan uh, disease indication, um, and then and then the cultured therapies are, are where we want to, um, you know, we, we want to take those through through base clinical trials and targeting um, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease in the first instance with those. But but that would be, you know, we, we, there's a number of trials to do before we'd be be uh, be close to market with those. For emerging biotechs, scaling the process development and manufacturing of biologic molecules to clinical standards can be challenging. However, you don't need to go it alone. Don't miss an episode of the Business of Biotech podcast, where we offer insights on regulatory, funding, and other essential topics. The pod is brought to you in collaboration with Cytiva, a global provider of technologies and services that advance and accelerate the development, manufacture, and delivery of therapeutics. Check out their resources at Cytiva.com backslash Emerging Biotech. That's C-Y-T-I-V-A.com backslash Emerging Biotech. I guess that's where I was kind of wanting to go with that question is what, what have, having gone through a unique uh, regulatory experience in mm-hmm. Australia, you know, if you sort of juxtapose that with what you anticipate in the States with the, with the FDA, um, what have you? What have what have you and the company sort of done to prepare for for that? Because obviously, it's good. You know that that will be a, a far different experience from the approval experience that you had down there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a very very different challenge. I'd say, Matt, though, have, having been through a different process with the TGA, um, mm-hmm. it's still we've still still learned a huge amount as an early stage biotech. So. You know, we ha- we have a, a quality team, a regulatory team. We we've had to interact with a, you know a different agency and, and have learned a lot in that process. And I think those learnings are, are are really helpful when when at when we're looking at our early stage assets because you can there are a whole lot of things you know you then need to have you know release assays, all of these things, um, right? And you need to think about that from the start. So how are you how are you designing? Um, the product and process so that it it would gather data that's going to be uh, important for uh, and you know I and D mm. and trials and then registration and so so that that's 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 actually been a really uh, helpful process um, and, but but we are we, we we're well aware that that this is this is different and so you know we've we've um, um, you know our 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 COO um, Colby Day has come out of cell therapies and, and has done this process many times with, with cell therapies in the US. He's um, uh, 
American and and has interacted with the FDA a lot. And so that was a very deliberate to to, to yeah. bring someone like Colby into the company. Um, and and we've our regulatory team we've had we've had informal interactions with um, you know, the FDA at, at conferences and things and trying to learn as much as as we can about about that process. But we uh, and um, uh, yeah, we 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 have. Um, uh, 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 you know, a plan for 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 both of these therapies, the donor derived and, and, and cultured therapy, but um, uh, not knowing that there's going to be a lot of challenges there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you would you say that like looking forward, you know, uh, forward looking statement, looking into your crystal ball, uh, you know, you you file your IND in the U.S. and you're ready to go to clinic. Will you sort of follow that? Um, trend that we discussed earlier and conduct clinical trials in, in Australia? We'll be looking to do uh, distributed clinical trials. What is it too early yep. to say? So our, our, our phase 1B with so cultured therapy and uh, say ulcerative colitis would run in Australia because mm-hmm. there are a number of advantages uh, to do so. Yeah. Um, so the I've talked about our, our network here. So the so patient network, the R&D tax incentive, the the cost and speed of the studies as well. So we, we we can go into humans without an iron without the IND here at phase one in Australia. And so that and that these are some of the reasons why American you know American companies say are doing early their early phase studies in Australia. So 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 we would want to take advantage of the the you know the all of those things that we have here. But but beyond that, um, our studies would would be across both the US, Australia, and, and 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 even beyond. So if 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 we were to be successful with our orphan drug designation uh, and were successful in in um, in in um, in, in uh, being able to go forward with a with a say let's say a single pivotal trial um, for, for for the donor drive therapy that that would that would be necessary necessarily in the US, but also could have uh, some patients in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Mm. I, w- I wanted to ask you, I, I, while we were talking about that that tr- that clinical trend in Australia, what advice would you give uh, U- US companies who are considering taking advantage of some of those advantages in, uh, in, in, in the clinical trial scene down in Australia? What advice would you give them, to, you know, in, in anticipation of bringing their clinical trials down there? Yeah, so there are a few things, I suppose. Um, uh, so um, finding a, a CRO that had really good local knowledge, um, mm. and that would be important. Try, um, getting advice on the, on the R&D tax incentive, I would say, because I, I, I don't know how how this is accessed by uh, from by uh, foreign companies, uh, but but I know that it is done. And and but getting good advice on that, I think, would be. Another thing, um, and also trying to develop your own network locally, so getting to know some KOLs, etc., so that so that you you're not just, I suppose, just relying on a CRO to 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 do that that for you. Because I mean, I I know myself, we we certainly have have that advantage, and it is very helpful when it comes to say patient recruitment. Yeah, I want to um, I. I... I want to have a a bit of a broader conversation with you about the potential, you know, I mentioned uh, in in the intro there, I talked about the sort of 
hype cycle that microbiome therapeutics experienced a few years ago. Um, and we're seeing some of that hype kind of fizzle, uh, you know, at, at times here in the mm -hmm. States. Um, and yet, you know, anytime I, I speak with people in this space, the indication, the potential indications, like they're far and wide, you know, mm -hmm. um, anything that the, you know, the gut mediated diseases, sometimes I'm like, wow, like how, how do you draw a line from the gut to that indication? Right. So I, I want to get your general sense uh, again, you know, I don't, I don't want you to make any crazy forward looking statements, but I want to get your general sense uh, around, you know, what does Dr. Sam Costello believe to be possible looking forward in terms of, um, you know, what, what's next in terms of microbiome therapeutics? Like what, wh where, where does it, where does the potential begin and, and end? I know it's, a, it's, a, very, it's yeah. a very big, broad question, but I, I hope you kind of get what I'm going for. It, it is. I mean, but but look, fundamentally, the, the field is, um, is, is necessary and, 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 and essentially because, Matt, I mean, gut microbes are critical to our health is, is the foundational principle. I mean, we've, we've outsourced um, a lot of function from an evolutionary point of view to to our gut microbes. So there are a whole lot of functions that they perform that we can't ourselves. And these range from, you know, basic things like digesting our food, but educating the immune system, um, the, the lining of the gut uh, requires um, met metabolites that are produced by the gut microbiome and a whole range of these uh, these metabolites, it might be peptides, neurotransmitters, all sorts of things that, that have um, health benefits and are actually necessary for our health. And so we know this. We also know that gut microbes are being stripped out. So, so if you look at the diversity uh, of of composition uh, in communities like the US, Australia, uh, we we can see that there are um, significantly diminished um, diversity. So organisms, but also the functional um, ability of these organisms relative to populations living more, say, traditional lifestyles. Things like antibiotic exposure are correlated with a wide range of diseases later in life is particularly if you have antibiotic exposure earlier in life it's a very common diseases inflammatory bowel disease obesity asthma things like this mm -hmm. um th these are these are associative data but then we know now that through predominantly through fecal transplant studies if you replace these missing microbes you can treat disease and cure disease so c, c difficile being the um, you know the the well recognized case but but inflammatory bowel disease, so ulcerative colitis, there's a large number of trials now. Um, a trial we ran, but there's now at least eight meta-analysis of this showing clear superiority of donor FMT over placebo. And so, so, so there will there will absolutely be be microbiome therapies in in that space. I'm convinced. Um, um, uh, and and then there are other diseases. So you know, liver disease, uh, hepatic encephalopathy. There's evidence, and the companies say like antibiotics, um, developing a therapy there. On oncology, there's some fascinating, um, so, you know, basic science data, but also evidence, again, from uh, fecal transplant studies that say, to give an example, with checkpoint inhibitors, um, a diminished microbiome predicts a poor response to checkpoint inhibitors. And in fact, mm -hmm. if you collect stool from a responder to a checkpoint inhibitor and transplant it into someone, with um, who's failing a checkpoint inhibitor, in some of those cases, the the, the therapy could be um, you know switched on, mm. and and um, 
you know, uh, graft versus host disease. So Matt Farmer, I know you had Ove on uh, the program uh, uh, recently. Um, you know, they're developing a therapy, and, and you know that that looks promising in in that space. Um, and there are there are some things that are, uh, I would say, surprising. Some data that are surprising. So, so you know, so there are FMT studies in autism that, for instance, um, where where they've showed uh, improvement in both GI but also some um, neurobehavioral aspects of the disease. Now, now these are, these are early pilot studies, um, yeah. but there is a trend towards. Um, certainly, we, we know that loss of organisms is associated with disease, but now now replacing them, uh, it, there, there is there is uh, increasing evidence in a, in a range of diseases. So, a, a, and so, so fundamentally, the field is sitting on on a, a massive problem from humanity, which is the loss of gut microbes and the the the, the health implications of that. And this is this is a massive problem that needs a solution. And so. We, uh, uh, that that's why fundamentally I'm so confident that the field will succeed because it is necessary that that we succeed. Yeah, and it's the you know I I think about uh, just a a, a silly anecdote if you will. Uh, my my daughter used to show horses. She she showed she was you know she was an equestrian for quite some time, and uh, you know she had a trainer at one point who like if if the horse got hurt like you know got a cut on its ear or something you know it was like oh no no bother it's a long way from the heart was sort of the the mantra you know it's a long way from the heart that was like the colloquial thing to say yeah yeah um but but it speaks to sort of this. Um, I guess locality of the indication that you're treating with, uh, you know, like you said, CDF. I mean, it, it seems like a pretty obvious one. Bowel disease, you know, it seems like relatively, relatively obvious. Um, you get into think, you know, discussions around autism and 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 Alzheimer's. I've had, I've had conversations about, you know, whether you know the gut brain access uh, and, and the impacts there. That's where it becomes a little bit more like. Like I said, it's harder to draw straight lines to a to a neophyte neophyte like me, right? Um, but but as in, in terms of the the business, like as a as a businessman who's in this space, mm. uh, what is like when you look at bio biobanks immediate and potentially long term intentions? Is the immediate attention to or intention to um, to to con to continue to focus sort of on the on gut related indications themselves? Yeah, in, so in the near future, we have uh, a program, cultured therapy for, for ulcerative colitis that we anticipate would would have action with Crohn's disease. Also, it has a mechanism applicable to both of those, uh, and then a donor drive therapy for this orphan indication. And so they, they are GI focused, mm -hmm. but from I mean, from this this problem of loss of gut microbes is so huge, uh, Matt. That and 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 does extend into a number of you know, varying disease areas. Yeah. We 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 really wanted to make a we want to make a, a global impact. And from first principles, we we believe that these these therapies need to be uh, diverse in their composition. Um, so so actually have a breadth of function because we know that um, many of the therapeutic properties of of the microbiome, the this uh, ecosystem properties, they they exist with the functional complexity. So they're emergent. Therapeutic properties, and when you reduce them to their 
uh, you can't necessarily reduce them to the elemental form, so down to one strain. Yeah. Uh, and we've demonstrated this in the lab with, um, in, in the case of um, our IBD therapy that works uh, by consuming hydrogen sulfide, say, we, we've, we've noted that our, we've, we've screened our culture collection, say, for, we've got 35,000 individual strains and we screened it for the ability to consume hydrogen sulfide. The most potent consumer of hydrogen sulfide in the, in the collection we put that head to head against our consortium of a diverse consortium of strains that more, more looks like a, a donor community and and actually the diverse consortia outperform the most potent consumer individually mm. and so and so we see that that the complexity is important and we, we we've 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 now demonstrated this this emergent um um property uh, we've seen that more more broadly with other other aspects, and so we so so, so I think th- this is um, we, our, our our therapies need that component, but they need to be scalable, and so that's the other reason that, that ultimately they need to to be scale uh, to be culturable, and we we believe so a co cultured approach, so growing them together is the only way that's economically possible. So going back to the business, mm-hmm. you can't have 100, 150 bioreactors. It's not economically possible. So to grow them together is is the only way that you're going to get uh, efficacy, so sufficient diversity to have those emergent functions and uh, be able to produce it at a low cost of production. And so from first principles, those are the two things that we we wanted we we work towards and essentially that's what that's you know we go back to why do you quit your job well that's it because you get that breakthrough then i believe we it, it, we can actually make it um, a meaningful impact um globally with 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 those 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 two um elements yeah 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 um it, yeah i'm reminded of a of a quote uh, he he didn't make it up, but he likes to say it. My friend Alan Shaw, frequent guest on the show, you know, he, he likes to say, uh, in, in God we trust, uh, all others bring data. And it and it sounds like in this conversation, conversations I've had with the leaders of other uh, microbiome mm-hmm. companies, um, there's a lot of data. Like there's a lot of compelling, compelling yeah. data um, in, in multiple indications that that point to uh, the value, right, of, of this market. And the work that's being done there, the research, um, and yet, you know, as I noted early, uh, it's been a tough go for a lot of companies in this space. Um, yeah. Why? Like, w- what's your take on on why that is? Is it, uh, you know, it, I don't know. I could, I could, I could pause it. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I know it's tough for everybody right now. You know, there are a lot of uh, study areas, biologic mm-hmm. uh, therapeutics that are that are suffering. But what's what's your take on why it's why it's been a tough go for for this space of late? Yeah, that's a good question, Matt. I think it's a confluence of factors. So, mm-hmm. as you say, I mean, I mean, biotech is hard. I mean, it, it, it is hard, and it, it, there are no, not all companies that are going to succeed. So that, that I mean, that's a background, and then there's these these other backgrounds that affected all fields. You know, recently with funding being, being difficult at that period in you know. Uh, 2020, 2021, very low interest rates, a lot of money coming in, and then that all drying up. And so that's affected everyone, and that's certainly affecting companies here. You you, you did mention hype as well. I mean, that 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 is a factor. I mean, for the reasons we've we've talked about, there's there's genuine reason for hype. I mean, there is a massive problem, and we're seeing that solutions are possible. But then there is a whole lot of Science and, as you say, um, data and execution and getting it right—that that's important. And so, 
that story as to why this is an th- important therapeutic realm is mm-hmm. true, I think. Um, but but that can lead to to hype, and the, the reasons for success come not only from that background, but 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 the, but but also also the execution. And so that is that is a hard thing. I mean, it, it, it doesn't. You know, there's been many cases of this in the in the in the past. You know, there's the dot com boom. Yeah, it, it, do, it didn't mean that the the future of commerce didn't involve the internet. I mean, so so because of the the hype at that time, and it didn't ma- mean that Amazon wasn't a good company. So it, it's just that the actually working out how to do this right is 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 hard and and the microbiome is incredibly complex it's 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 a it's a complex ecosystem so you know the 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 um there are a number of factors specific to this area we talked about that therapeutic um paradigm of trying to reduce it to an individual strain um that that is um that that, that where where traditional um Say small molecule drug discovery um, ha- has a set, set pathway. The microbiome doesn't. I mean, the re- release assays mm-hmm. are different. How you um, how you um, how you, you culture the organisms is different. Even on the donor drive space, it, there are a whole lot of complexities there. It, there's wild differences batch to batch between the composition, um, and so that's all had to be discussed with regulators. All of these. Difficult. All these um, complexities mean that you can't just plug and play like for a a, a small molecule um, company could. And so, a lot of the companies that have had difficulty have done a lot of hard work, a lot of important work, and have really set a lot of the foundations for 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 others. And I think, um, you know, I've got a lot of respect for many of the companies and people involved in these companies who have done a lot of really incredible work, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Uh, and I don't think it's not all of that hasn't gone in vain. I mean, a lot of these things we and others can can then can build on. Um, for instance, the, the education with 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 regulators around the world that their their understanding of the, the how the um, these therapies might work, how they might be regulated, um, things like you know uh, that are required, so so release assays and these things. That's that's evolved due to a lot of the work. Some of these other companies have, have already done. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a difficult field, and there's a whole lot of com- um, other factors at, at play as yeah. well. Yeah, you mentioned. I mean, you know, you, you talked about the the fact that the finance, uh, the financial markets are difficult for for everyone, regardless of your your the indication you're going after or the modality that you're yep. developing. Um, is that a more pointed, perhaps, in this space where? You know, like even you mentioned small molecule, great example, but even biologics, you know, development of antibodies. I'm not going to simplify it. I'm not going to dumb it down. It's very complex work, but it's it's been it's been done over and over again. You know, you're culturing cells, you're manipulating cells to attack a specific target uh, that, you know, will allegedly do a specific thing. It's not an easy case to make, but it's a it's a pretty point blank case to make um, if you can get past toxicities and, and other and other things like the investment community is going to go uh, at least a good part of the investment community is going to go like okay uh, that's relatable we, we've seen that we've seen it work before we've funded companies that have seen success in those spaces so we're going to go with it here we're talking about something that is considerably more complex certainly looks a lot different than the intravenous administration of of an antibody for for one example um so does that affect sort of the the investor paradigm is it like a 
a more finite pool of of investors or or even far, you know big pharma companies who might be interested in getting behind this work or am i just making that up in my head <laughs> well, i think i think it's it is a little more niche yeah yeah and and i think that look i think um there is it's a funny thing investment isn't it because when 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 there's most fear in the market and sentiment is most strongly against, then in hindsight, often that's the best time to have invested. You know, it, mm-hmm. when there are good underlying fundamentals, you know, yeah. and that, yeah. that's like that value investors. That's what they do. So, so it's not. I, I we have approved therapies in this space, both in the US and and Australia. So, you know, regulators have accepted these therapies. That's that's de-risked the field massively. Yeah. These therapies are donor-derived therapies. They are different batch to batch in their composition. That's a big thing to to have acknowledged that, um, and and that fact has significantly de-risked the field. Because if you then go to develop a cultured therapy, even if it's a complex cultured therapy and you don't have um, a perfect batch to batch variation like a molecule of aspirin. You, this this precedent set that this is this is acceptable. This is acknowledged. This is a, a part of what these therapies are, and we not not only are they approved, but these are highly effective therapies. Um, mm-hmm. So, say for C diff, you, you, you're looking at a delta of fifty percent absolute gain over the previous standard of care. That's almost unheard of. It's a huge gain, and and say in ulcerative colitis, the FM, FMT studies, like the study I I, I did it. Part of my PhD, that the, the remission rates, uh, clinical endoscopic remission rates are in, in the you know, thir- range of 30 to 40%. This, this is similar to the most potent available biologic agents. So, so there is there are strong fundamentals here. And the other thing, Matt, which which is critical, is that we've co-evolved with these organisms. So, so 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 these these organisms are part of us and are required. By us to perform uh, to 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 um to to be safe uh, to to not to to be um uh, healthy sorry and, mm-hmm. and and therefore they um and and so the the safety profile for these uh, uh to these therapies is actually very good and and I believe that's because essentially we we we're, we're co-evolved with with the organisms then they're not they're not blocking an aberrant pathway like a lot of say small molecules or biologics do. With downstream flow-on effects, like you, you know, if you're blocking an immune pathway, you have an immune system for a reason, and right. so, and so, th- these therapies are restorative. They're not, they're not um, blocking um, function, and so they they have a number of advantages. Yes, they're a new paradigm, but that part paradigm has many advantages over 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 alternative therapies, and and so and so, I think. We'll look back at this time as 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 a, a wonderful opportunity because we we got through um, we got through the difficulties and we we had a, recently have approved therapies. These therapies work; they're, they're life saving, life changing, and 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 we can expand on that now with 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 these cultured versions that are that are more scalable, can be more consistent in composition, better able to be patented. Say all of these advantages, typical advantages you want of um, of of a therapeutic. So I I just think it's um it is a it, it's an exciting time, and and we'll come out the other side uh, stronger. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fantastic. Given uh, so. 
the the commer- the, the advantage I should say of having a commercial uh, product aside. What yep. what else is like? What what have you found as a leader of BioBank? What what have you found to be um, productive and 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 useful in in sort of the perseverance through an otherwise difficult time? Like, are, is there anything BioBank's doing? Um, you know that, that you would say is uh, um, contributing to your uh, yeah contributing to your perseverance. Look, I think I mean coming from the clinic where we started. I mean we we. We we went straight to a, an indication where it was an urgent need, mm-hmm. and so and now we derive some you know, revenue from that that we can we can help sustain mm-hmm. the company from. I think that was that was an advantage. Um, the other thing is, I mean, perversely, you talked you talked about the access to capital, so that that's less we were less able to get huge amounts of money um, mm-hmm. as as you know maybe we could have accessed if we were positioned uh, overseas and some other places but 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 so that that focus on being extremely diligent with what you have i suppose um is is forced on us because of because of that that relative situation and and i suppose in a downturn that that actually is an advantage um yeah. in, in in that sense um and so and so i, I suppose th- those things and also um uh, um yeah so i would i would i would say i mean also we've just we've been lucky with the investors we've had they've been um been been fantastic um to this point very very supportive um and i suppose we've really focused our programs they they are they are um small relative to um a lot of you know far bigger pro- uh, uh, companies but we've we've really focused on uh, leveraging the, the the product we have, and then on this on on our second generation product, really thinking from first principles how it would be uh, be, uh, be be able to be as effective as as or more effective than the donor drive therapies and 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 scalable. So when you don't have a lot of resources, you you, you definitely have to have have to think. Uh, I suppose there was a there was a New Zealand physicist Ernest Rutherford, and he said, oh, we, "We don't have the money, so we have to think." So there was a bit of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that. That's a yeah. I'm going to add that one to the repertoire. That's a, that's a good one. And I find it interesting. You're you're Australian. You're quoting a a New Zealand physicist. I thought there was like some sort of a like inherent uh, friction between Australians and <laughs> New Zealanders. I don't know. Is that is that just like a, a stereotype that that we Americans have have, have adopted? No, it certainly is. It certainly is. I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We're the. Um. It's like. I suppose it's like the Amer- America Canada thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the uh, yeah the hockey games. And we we so we we get beaten up by New Zealand at rugby. In, in the, my state, we don't we don't play rugby, so it's played on the um a couple of states in Australia, and New Zealand are far far better than us, mm. despite being a much smaller country. So um, yeah. There's that. There's that. There's definitely a rivalry there, but also, you know, we 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 also have. There's a lot of similarities, cultural similarities. I mean, and and I noticed that in the US, with it, 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 there's a lot of similarities between Australia and the, say US and Canada, say um, sure. as well. So we, we we definitely share a lot. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm at, I I'm getting to the point where I'm abusing your time. I know we've gone long here, uh, so I want to be respectful of that and. We've covered a lot of ground. I like whenever I have this, I, I really enjoy talking with you, Dr. Costello. I, I feel like we could go on and on. Um, so I, I'll always offer the opportunity to do a part two and maybe dig a little deeper into some of the moves that you guys are making. Um, 
but I guess we'll just wrap things up by, by, by allowing me to ask you what, like what, what the next big step might be or what you're most excited about for uh, the, the imminent future of Biome Bank. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, Matt. I've really loved having talked to you and, and, and actually listening to you for a long period of time has really helped, um, helped me a lot and helped us. So I do mm-hmm. want to thank you for that because, um, you know, we are, we're not in Boston. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that the opportunity to listen to to many of the guests you've had on has been been incredible. And we've we, we've learned a lot about a whole lot of process uh, things that have that have helped us to this point. So so thank you for that. Um the the other um the other thing, uh, I mean in terms of where we're going next, um we we want to take our our, our donor drive product as uh into the into the U.S. market with a with an orphan disease indication, so we're aiming for that, uh, and we're also wanting to take our, our culture therapy uh, forward in a in a phase one B next year um, in Australia for for uh, for ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's exciting times. I mean, I, I I like I said, I I enjoy talking with you. I I appreciate your uh, your your thanks for the podcast. That that means a lot to me. Like the anytime I hear that we're actually, you know, my rambling question sets are actually providing value to someone somewhere. Uh, it's it's gratifying, and I appreciate that. So thank you very much. Continue to listen. You know, we've got some great guests coming up. So there's more to learn. There's plenty more to learn for me, and uh, plenty more to learn for our audience. Um, so thank you for that. And yeah, I, you know, if you're going to be in the States anytime again soon, I, you said you've got some, uh, some, some U S guys on your, on your exec team. Um, you know, if you're going to be uh, any chance you're going to JP Morgan, uh, in January. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. going to be there. So, um, yeah, I'd love, love to catch up or, or, yeah. or um, or meet anyone that's, uh, that's listening. Yeah, for sure. Yep. I'll, I'll be there as well. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll be in touch. I'll I'll buy you a Foster's or a, or a, <laughs> or a Sam Adams, you know, whatever. whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Reference. Or a West Coast West Coast beer, maybe one of the mm-hmm. local. Yeah, uh, Fat Tire IPAs. or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that yeah that'd be great. good. I'd love right. that, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Sam. I appreciate it. Cheers. No, thanks a lot. Bye. So that's Biome Banks, Doctor Sam Costello. I'm Matt Pillar, and this is the Business of Biotech. We're produced by Bioprocess Online and Life Science Connect with the support of Cytiva, which demonstrates its support to new and emerging biopharma companies at Cytiva.com backslash emerging biotech. If you like listening in on conversations with biopharma leaders like Dr. Costello, subscribe to the Business of Biotech podcast. Sign up for our newsletter at bioprocessonline.com backslash B-O-B. Also, be sure to leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And as always, thanks for listening. 